I'll have what she's having. This is episode 26 of the Our Better Half podcast, a podcast about sex in the second half and, I'd argue, the better half of life. And I'm the host, Laura Lister-Mensch, a notorious but still curious prude. It's July 24th, 2016, and our guest is Joan Price. <laughs> you know, some people count sheep. I'm, I'm seeing these these different vibrators cross, cross across my mental vision here. Old ladies and gentlemen, close your ears. You are not going to like this. Some of your most cherished ideas are about to be exploded, stomped on, tossed away, and I dare say, popped. Virginity is no more. The idea of virginity is so ingrained in the thinking of our past that I don't know if I can dislodge it, but I will try, because to understand modern sex, you are going to have to rethink your classic ideas, because they've killed virginity. It was the basis of most truth or dare sessions. It was the real point of most teen sleepover conversations. It was in an era of newly free love, no longer attached to that first night of marriage, but it was a rite of passage very clearly defined. And if you can honestly say that you did not go to look in the mirror afterward to ask yourself if you looked different now having passed that moment, well, I don't actually believe you. It was a point of pride for men to have done it as early as possible, and for women often a prize to award to a fortunate fellow. But modern love asks a really important question. What is virginity? This used to be easy. It was that first time that a male part went into a female part, but uh-oh, that's not the definition of sex anymore. Sex isn't a moment. It isn't done by someone to another person. Same-sex lovemaking is sex. So are gay people virgins if they haven't walked on the not-same-sex wild side? If sex is now defined by modern humans as lovemaking that is mutual and someone has an orgasm or tries, then virginity has all sorts of firsts. And sex has come to include not just sex with others, but on our own or in groups. If it's sex, as long as one person achieves a happy O through in and out sex, then, well, the majority of women are still virgins throughout their lives, 75%. Is coerced or forced sexual contact to be given the dignity of being the end of some sort of virginity? Is it taken? Is it given? Is it lost? While we're dismantling this most honored of concepts, one that religions hold so dear and literature reveres and every teen movie depends on, what if the hymen? <laughs> what if the hymen isn't actually a thing? Do you even hear about hymens anymore? Guess what? They are not really that maidenhead that you read about. That crescent of stretchy tissue called the hymen varies widely and may not have ever been there at all, depending, and by the age of sexual maturity is unlikely to be affected by sexual activities, so there really isn't a discernible difference in the body of a person who has or has not had penis in vagina sex. There's no marker. There really isn't any virginity test. And not even a doctor can examine a woman, not to mention a man, to mark what we call the moment that made us an adult man or woman. There is no telltale glow. 
There is no evidence, really, there is no definable moment that puts you on one side of that line. It's dead, virginity, because it never really existed. Will we miss it? Is it a loss to lose this idea? Or was it a way, yet another way, to make male sexuality into a conquest and female sexuality into a commodity? Well, looking at it that way, old friends, I think we can let it go. And in a lifetime of being an adult, I cannot say that anyone I know is much concerned with their own great moment of crossing some barrier once they get on with real life, except when they mark that moment with a traumatic event. There have been so many milestones and starting places in a life fully lived that even that one that we so wanted to use or get or give or get over barely matters anyway. The end of virginity turns out to be another way that the young now teach the old, the old rethink our youth, and we lose our innocent ignorance. We have a very, very special guest today. Joan Price is the first person that more people think of when they think of sex and aging, I dare say, except maybe Sean Connery or Helen Mirren, but for different reasons. Other people have written books about sex as you get older, but it is Joan Price whose book people I meet have actually read. If you spend much time on this topic, you will get used to the first person being mentioned is Joan. Her books are practical, optimistic, and personal. Other people travel to offer classes and seminars about sex in the second half of life, but I bet Joan is the only one who demonstrates how to use the mouth to put condoms on soft penises. She has an amazing late-in-life love story. She has written about sex over 50 and sex over 60. She has a frank and vivacious manner, and she takes the issue of sexuality throughout life quite personally and directly. And she's no prude, Joan Price. She has the directness of Dr. Ruth, but a very modern sensibility about pleasure, self-care, relationships, and the kinkier things in life. She is one of the first people that I approached when I took on this crazy project, and that's one reason I am so pleased and honored to have her as a guest, and that next week I will meet her in person and buy her a drink. But today, she joins Our Better Half to talk about one of her special services, and I think you'll find it interesting. She reviews sex toys with a senior perspective. Joan Price, welcome to Our Better Half. Well, thank you, Laura. It's really great to have you on. Always good to spread the word. <laughs> well, my first question is, you are the reigning queen. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing already, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you absolutely are the reigning queen of sex in the second half of life. But when you were a kid, what did you imagine that you'd be doing when you grew up? Oh, for goodness sake. Well, my first fantasy was I'd be a movie star. Didn't we all think we'd do that? Mm -hmm. And then I thought I'd be a nurse because I didn't see women doctors. And then realized I didn't even like science. That was silly. So um, I went through many fantasies. And it wasn't until I was in college that I discovered I really wanted to be a teacher. And that's what I did for 22 years. I was a high school English teacher. So this is not my original career. And I taught writing as part of English. And I often wrote along with my students. I thought that was important. How could I give an assignment and 
and evaluate how well my students had done if I didn't even know personally what was involved in doing that thing. So I often did the assignments along with my students and became so enamored by the writing process that after 22 years of teaching, I decided to see whether I could make it as a writer. Mm -hmm. I was at that point a health and fitness writer, and there's a story behind why I chose that, but I don't know if you have all the time in the world for this. And it wasn't until I was 61 and in an, an amazingly hot and fulfilling relationship with my later life love that I turned to writing about older age sexuality. So it was a long trip to get here, and it did not start when I was a child. Among your accomplishments, and you you have a very busy life, uh, speaking and writing and teaching, you also review sex toys. I do. It's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. <laughs> Is it fun? <laughs> yes, I review sex toys from a senior perspective. There are a, a lot of bloggers who review sex toys from a young person's perspective, young being younger than we are. I think our needs are different. uh, What works for us is certainly different than what works for a person in her 20s, 30s, even 40s. So I write sex toy reviews from a senior perspective. I've done about 80 of them, maybe 90 by now. Uh, You can find them at nakedatourage.com. That's my blog, nakedatourage.com. It is uh, certainly a lot of fun, but I'll tell you, behind the scenes, there are a lot of sex toys that just don't work, as far as I'm concerned, for our age group. What are the qualities that that matter, especially uh, as when we're talking about people that are older? For one thing, it needs to be intense enough. We need to have strong enough vibrations because our, our sensation has decreased. We need more stimulation. It also needs to be ergonomic. Uh, it's a buzzkill, so to speak, when our arthritic wrists hurt because of the way we have to hold the thing. It needs to be able to go for a nice long time, as long as we need it, without overheating or losing its charge or Oh, say, catching on fire. Not that I've had that part happen. The first two have. It also needs to be, and this is true for all age groups, but especially for us, made out of body-safe materials. And you may say, aren't they all? No, they are not. There are sex toys that are made of materials that leach chemicals into our bodies that may be the reason that we have burning or irritation that are illegal in baby toys, illegal in dog toys, but not illegal in toys we put inside our vaginas. Yikes. Aren't you shocked by that? And that's not something that I think most people would be thinking about. Are there any, uh, aside from, of course, looking at your reviews, what are, are there some guidelines, especially on that last issue, about toxicity and the materials. Absolutely. There are people doing very important research on that, uh, specifically some of the people at uh, the Smitten Kitten in Minneapolis. Um, Dangerous Lily, who is a blogger, is also really up on that. What people can do, though, if they want it applied to our age group, 
is get my latest book, The Ultimate Guide to Sex After 50. I have a whole chapter, a long chapter on sex toys because I love writing about sex toys. And this includes the information about what we call toxic toys. Also, if you only buy from retailers that have already vetted the toys, that know about this, that value it more than they value, than they value getting a few more dollars from you, then, um, then you're going to do well. So the, the, the retailers that I link to are, let's say, safe retailers. You can order a toy either that I review. I only review the ones that are safe. And sometimes, sometimes it's hard to know because they can be labeled silicone and they're not. Mm. So, so you can't just believe what's on the label. You also, one thing you can believe is if it's a cheap toy, it is most likely not good for you. So many people will look at my reviews and say, well, oh, yeah, right. If I had $100 for a vibrator, that would be great. But I'm going to buy this $30 one. No, don't put that $30 one in your vagina, please. Hmm. You know, with a few exceptions, there are some some materials that are inexpensive and are uh, are safe. But all of that information is in that chapter. And of course, if you can't find something among my 80 reviews, <laughs> you maybe are being too picky. I don't know. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of people my age, your age, uh, might feel shy about this, may not have thought that this would be something they would ever do in their life, buying a sex toy. What are you seeing in older people adopting these devices? Oh, gosh, that's a great question, because at our age, a well-chosen, well-placed vibrator can mean the difference between orgasm and no orgasm. It's sometimes that simple. Let's give a scenario here. We need a lot of extra stimulation. Our partners if we have partners and, and sex, solo sex is real sex. So you don't need a partner for orgasms. Our partners, if we have them or our own wrists, if, if that's what we're doing, cannot hold up to the length of time that we need to have an orgasm with the kind of stimulation that we can do without a vibrator. Add a vibrator to the mix and we may be coming in minutes instead of never or half an hour. It just makes such a difference. I, I understand that many of us have not had this experience, uh, thought we would never masturbate, let alone use sex toys. But I think at this time of our lives, since we can celebrate that we're capable of orgasms and orgasms have such <laughs> wonderful health benefits as well as emotional benefits, as well as peace of mind, sense of well-being, benefits, sleep benefits. Oh, for goodness sake, let me count the benefits. If we are capable of this at this time of our life, why would we deny it to ourselves? So I, I just say, go for it. Give it a try. Now, how to choose? Okay, my reviews are helpful. You also, if you have the opportunity to visit a progressive sex toy shop, and by progressive, what I mean is, they're education-based, they're knowledgeable about the kind of materials and the, 
the quality of the toys they carry. You know, we call them toys, but they're really tools. They're not, they're not toys. They're tools. They're, they're what we need. And we would certainly not go dancing without a knee brace if we needed it. So why do we try to have orgasms without a sex toy when it makes it so much better and more comfortable? There, I think, is a perception out there that sex toys are for very kinky people, not for regular old vanilla people. What would you say to that? I would say they're <laughs> sex toys are for orgasms. <laughs> However you get there, whatever your fantasy, the sex toys just make orgasms simpler. They make them faster. They make them stronger. They make them possible. I mean, certainly if you're kinky, there are certain sex toys that would serve your kink very nicely. But you don't have to be kinky to get an orgasm from a sex toy. I am imagining, because you review sex toys and you are very open about this, that it is a wonderland in your bedside table. <laughs> is, is that where you keep yours? Uh, oh, my God, a few of them. <laughs> I have a bedside table. I have cabinets full. I have a... Um, a cloth bag in the closet. I have a whole, I have boxes. <laughs> my, <laughs> my, oh boy, I, the person who will have to sort through my things after I'm gone, I don't know. <laughs> um, you, you brought up the expense. Um, they can be really expensive. Yes. Does, do, does someone need more than one? Do they need to find, you know, the one go-to or is it good to have a range, a toolbox? It depends. If, let's say, if what you want is just um, stimulation of the clitoris, you can find your ideal vibrator for the clitoris. If, however, you also like penetration, you might want a different one for penetration. If you like variety, or if, let's say, you your favorite one is, is big and heavy, but you also want something for travel, then that's another issue. If you're fine with the noisy one when you're alone, but when the grandkids are in the next room visiting, then you need a quiet one. So it depends on what you need. Uh, certainly it's difficult to find the one that's going to be your go-to vibrator the first time. You can read my reviews. You can read other people's reviews. Until you've tried it, you may not know exactly what works for you. So, yeah, there's going to have to be some trial and error. I, I don't see any way around the expense. But if you look at it this way, if you needed, if you had a, oh, I don't know, overgrown branches on a tree and you want to take them down, you'd want the kind of tool that would do it most effectively. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't want to have, you wouldn't want to try it with a nail file, right? So... Going for the best tool, even if it's more expensive than you wish, is an investment in, oh gosh, I'm in the smile on your face, my goodness, to have the right, the right sex toy for the job. Do men and women respond differently to the question of sex toys? Hmm. Well, they respond differently to which sort of sex toys are best for them, for sure. And I have um, some favorites for men, and I have some favorites for for clitorises, and some favorites for vaginas, and 
favorites for penises. We're all different for one thing. So just because something is right for me doesn't mean it would be your favorite. However, it's a good lead to find out why that's one I like or one that I have reservations about. And then put that together with what you know about yourself. Let's talk about people with penises and why they might need a sex toy. Mm -hmm. Because arousal used to be really easy, but it isn't easy really for any gender now. As the older we get, the more difficult arousal becomes because of the lack of blood flow. Mm -hmm. The hormones, the the decrease in, in hormones will also affect how that blood flow rises to the surface. And that's true whether we're talking about erections or or whether the clitoris is engorged. So the right sex toy for the job can, again, for a penis as well as for, for a woman's body, can determine whether orgasm happens or how fast or, or how easy it is. You know, we don't want to have to think about, oh, I don't know if I'll get there today. I want to. I, but worrying about it, anxiety is an enemy of arousal. Mm-hmm. It's a flight or fight. Uh, if we're nervous and anxious, then the blood flow is going to go away from where we want it to go. So that's, that's going to hurt us. If we can be relaxed and we can be secure, confident that what we're doing will result in what we want, then maybe we can just enjoy it instead of worrying about it. And if we're with a partner, maybe we're embarrassed about that. Oh, yeah, it doesn't just because I don't have an erection or just because I'm not lubricating doesn't mean I'm not aroused. I am. Believe me, I am. Well, we need to understand these things about each other. We need to have conversations. We need to be real about about how sex changes for us. And instead of thinking, well, that means that sex isn't going to be good anymore. Yeah, it can be fabulous. But we need to take into account the changes and see, okay, what do I need to do about that change? How can I celebrate my sexuality given that I'm aroused slowly, given that I need lubricant, given that I need a lot more stimulation? Mm. We don't need to shed tears for that. We need to smile and figure out what to do about it. Hmm. That's the whole reason I write about this. Can you think of someone in particular that you've encountered, someone who perhaps read one of your reviews or you've talked to in your in your trainings and for whom sex toys changed their perspective or their life? Oh, yeah. I had someone write to me about uh, one of my reviews and say, this was a man who said, I bought my wife the oscillator. That was the the vibrator, and she had her first orgasm with me. She cried in my arms. Oh, God, you know? That's beautiful. I know. And, of course, I've had lots of other people who say, wow, that that was great. But this one just stayed in my mind because this was right when I started writing about older age sexuality. And I was not sure how much I wanted to disclose you don't know at first, how personal do I want to get? I'm not writing in order to titillate. I'm writing in order to educate and also to celebrate, to get this, to talk out loud about senior sex, to demystify it, to get it, normalize it so that we can all talk about it because that's important. That conversation 
is important for our society. It's important for ourselves, for our own pleasure, for our personal pleasure, and for helping other people who are less communicative about it. So I didn't know. It was a balance trying to find what I wanted to say and how much of my personal life I wanted to get in there. And when I shared how much this particular vibrator had meant to me, and then this person bought it, and that message, she cried in my arms. I just felt, wow, this is why I do this work. You you really are doing amazing work that... uh... And, and recognized by the field for it. Thank you. Uh, rightly so. What is your favorite toy right now? <laughs> I, you know, some people count sheep. I'm, I'm seeing these, these different vibrators cross, cross across my mental vision here. Well, <laughs> that I have several favorites for different reasons. Um, the great big hunky toy that is uh, it, it just the, gives the most amazing experience is the Sibian, S-Y-B-I-A-N. It is, an, it is a big machine that you mount or that mounts you and is the strongest thing ever. I also like the magic wand, and so many people will be going, yes, because they have magic wands in their bedstands. Magic wand has undergone um, several changes lately. It's been around for, I don't know, 30, 40 years, maybe more. I'm not sure. I know I had one 30 years ago, and I have one of the new ones now that's rechargeable that has a silicone head and it is just wonderful for if you need really strong vibrator. There are several that I like for, for penetration. Um, that's not I like that, but it's having the right one is easier for me to select. Uh, it's the clitoral stimulation that's harder to get the right one because it needs to be strong enough, but also ergonomic, but also not so unwieldy. I also love the Aracillator still. That was the one that I mentioned before because it can be used very easily with partner sex. It doesn't get in the way, whereas these other things are only for for, uh, solo sex or work best for solo sex. A good travel partner is the Palm Power, which is small yet still powerful. It's small and light and still powerful. For penises, I recommend the pulse, which I think everyone with a penis in your life, whether it's your own or your partner's, should know about that because it is an it's it's astoundingly powerful um, vibrator where you don't have to have an erection to use it. Most of the male vibrators, the uh, masturbators are the sleeve style. You have to have an erect penis. You put it in the vibrator, turn it on, and it vibrates. This one has flaps that you open. You just put the penis down, and it doesn't have to have an erection. So for men who have problems getting erections, who um, want the stimulation, and also can have orgasms whether or not they have erections, and many people don't know that's possible, but it is, the pulse is a real godsend. So those are some of my favorites. Oh, I hope I haven't forgotten something really important. 
No, those are great. Um, I just want to mention if anyone's interested in the Pulse, are actually our episode two of this podcast featured the founder of that company talking about the Pulse. If you want to hear more about that one that Joan just described, that's a that's a great idea. Uh, it just occurred to me to ask you if you could design a sex toy, what would it be? I'm asked that quite a bit. I'm asked that sometimes by people who have decided they're going to design a sex toy for seniors as if this is a brand new idea. But actually the ones that I'm naming are so good, are really close to perfect. And having a few of them does make it perfect that I I don't think I need, I, I wouldn't know where to make those changes. I used to have um, real issues with many of the toys, and I still do with many of the toys. I say this would work better if, but I find myself just reaching for the ones that do work better instead of trying to invent the wheel. And do you find that the field is responsive to the concerns of older people? Oh, yes. This is something that surprised me in the beginning. Now I I have to say I've gotten a little blasé and I take it for granted that, yes, as we get older, we need these toys. So any any retailer or developer or creator of sex toys is very wise to want to reach my demographic. And they know that. And they send me whatever I want. They want my feedback. If something doesn't work right, they want to know it. They want to know what I'd like, what works. You know, one of the things that... Um, for dildos or penetrative toys, because we have thinner vaginal tissues and because we these vaginal tissues, especially if we're not on hormone replacement, can become irritated, can even tear and bleed with something that we didn't even think was rough. It just was a little rougher than this fragile skin could tolerate. So um, because of, of that... Many of us prefer slimmer toys, slimmer dildos, dildo-type toys, than we used to. So this is something that the sex toy manufacturers and retailers are just getting interested in, where they'll send me something they think I'd like, and I'd say, no, it's just too girthy. It just it doesn't even feel good. I don't even want to use it. And they'll say, oh, so we need a junior size, well, I don't know if that's the right name for it, but yeah, make slimmer versions. Make slimmer versions for us because that's going to get you more customers. And they they want to hear that kind of feedback. They want to hear when something does or doesn't work. There was one recently where the vibrations were felt as much in the handle as in the working end. And I said, this doesn't work. Otherwise, it's a good design, but this doesn't work because this bothers my my wrist. We have arthritis these days. We don't want it, uh, vibrations in our wrist. And and the, the representative emailed me, well, if you want a powerful motor, you're going to feel it. That's just the, the way it is. And I said, no, you're wrong. <laughs> it doesn't have to be made that way. And then she finally said in a, another email, oh, I I guess you must know this better than I do. (laughs) (laughs) This is important work you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Where can people read your reviews and find links to your books? 
naked at our age, all done as one word, naked at our age.com is the easiest way to get to my blog. It has a longer name, which you don't have to worry about. It will bounce to that when you say naked at our age.com. That's where all my reviews are. And also news and views, other things besides reviews. My main website is joanprice.com, joanprice.com, just my name. And that's where you can find out about my books. You can order them directly from me if you want them autographed. That I'm happy to do that in the United States only. If you're out of the United States, you can get them, but you'll need to get other retailers. Um, my books are also available on Amazon. I'm very, very happy that um, I'm getting this information out because I feel like it's a mission for me. It's a job, sort of. You know, I don't get paid for writing the reviews. Mm-hmm. I get paid for writing books and articles and speaking to groups. And I love traveling and speaking to groups, so I, I'd like to hear from any of your listeners who would like to invite me in to have me speak to your organization. But it, I just feel mainly that I'm on a mission. I've been doing this since 2005, which is amazing to me. I had no idea. And when I started, Laura, I have to tell you, people were not talking about this subject out loud. And, right. And they, many of them didn't want to hear it. Uh, I had my very first book review said, now that boomers have discovered that there's sex after 60, could they please stop writing about it? Oh, my goodness. That was the first one I ever got. And I was uh, devastated by that. Well, the the perfect revenge will be that that person will age. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know she already has, and all she accomplished with that was to make me realize, no, I'm not going to stop writing about it. I've just begun. Thank you, and I will be seeing you in person, speaking at the Woodhull Sexual Freedom Event in Alexandria, Virginia. Oh, that is such a wonderful conference. Have you been there before? I have not, but I will be there, and I look forward to seeing you speak. Great. Thank you. Thank you for being our guest on Our Better Half, Joan. My pleasure, Laura. Let's take a break now for doing our Kegel exercises, shall we? What sound effect is best for today? Well, obviously, it has to be about toys. segment for you old people and those who love language, and I know you do. It's called Don't Yuck My Yum Time. I'm going to read some words for you, and you guess what they mean. Dendrophilia, melolognia, oculolinctus, 
olfactophilia, sthenolognia, trichophilia, sapiosexual. Are you ready for the definitions? I think you'll love this. Dendrophilia is sexual arousal from trees. Metalognia is sexual arousal from music. Oculolinctus is sexual arousal from eyeball licking. Olfactophilia is sexual arousal from smells. Sthenolognia is sexual arousal from displays of strength or muscles. Trichophilia is a fetish involving human hair. And sapiosexual is being attracted to intelligence or the human mind. And this one is definitely my yum. So there really is something for everyone. And if it isn't your thing, it may be the tinder for someone you know's fire. So remember the golden rule of sex positivity. Do not yuck my yum. And now, our youth translator, Marina Maklos, will explain that to a grandma, or in this case, a grandpa. What's fluid bonded? Okay, grandpa, I'm not going to lie. This is kind of a gross-sounding term, right? I mean, I'm a little uncomfortable even saying it to you, but fluid bonded basically just means unprotected sex. So, it literally means the exchange of fluids that happen during sex. Now, this term is used mostly in communities of people that have multiple sexual relationships, and one of those communities is the polyamorous community. Um, Polyamory is when people have multiple relationships, but usually these relationships are um, different in hierarchy, and so Often the way that it's structured is that people will have a primary relationship, sometimes even a marriage, and those people, those two people are the ones that would be fluid bonded, and then with their other partners, they would have protected sex or other types of uh, physical intimacy. So it's definitely uh, an interesting term, maybe not one that you'll run into too often, but it's good to know. Thanks for listening. In case you missed it, let me update you on the news in the world of sex, viewed through my very special old prude glasses. I apologize if this is too personal, but hey, how good is your credit rating? Like, could you pass a credit and background check by a sex worker? One high-tech madam vets potential clients for her BDSM providers, and only one-third make the, uh, cut. In a world where criminals are as wary of exposure as their clients are, the vetting can be a lot like job-seeking. Your LinkedIn profile and references are fair game for the game. While I'm asking invasive questions, how smart are you? Well, if you already knew that Kelly Shabari, the erotic performer spoke at the annual Mensa gathering earlier this month, then you probably are pretty smart. Mensa, which requires an IQ in the tippy top of the percentiles, non-Mensa people Google that, Mensa has an adult industry track at their yearly conference, and Shibari was there for porn performers and parenting. Fascinating. Well, I wasn't invited, so I assume it was. Speaking of erotic entertainments... 
our millennial children are not leaving the nest as fast or as reliably as they used to. And that means that adult parents and adult kids have less privacy for private time. So it's nice to see that pornographic fantasies reflect that trend. Property porn is trending. A whole category of fantasies that combine the allure of finding a residence at a good price and a real estate agent in a good mood are all the rage. As are desperate house hunters willing to exchange favors for roommate privileges. This genre of porn shows up seventh now on Pornhub, a sign of our times. Also interesting? Check the show notes for a piece on the new trend towards tiny houses and the new issue of how to have sex in a tiny house. Hint, those handles that help you get into your loft bed can make getting there more fun. Math. (laughs) For many of us, not our finest moments in school. In fact, I have dyscalculia, a sort of math dyslexia, which makes math difficult and makes reading a clock or map maddening, but makes it very fun for others when they see me try to figure out right and left. Anyway, I've managed. But the news that higher math skills in later life correlates with more sex is unhappy tidings. Dr. Cesira Erzi Brancati at ILC UK crunched the numbers from the English Longitudinal Study of Aging, ELSA, and found that one-fifth of the over-80 math smarties were still sexually active, while the math challenged were down to only one out of ten still busy in the bedroom. But who's counting? You no doubt have heard that there is a drug that does a very, very good job of keeping people from contracting HIV called pre-exposure prophylaxis, or PrEP. Those at high risk, like those with HIV-positive partners, are now far more protected from being infected. And this is good news. Great news, right? Well, STIs should be very afraid, because recent advances in both chlamydia and herpes vaccines are also very close to prime time. But still, condoms, my friends, use them. Keeping sexually transmitted infections from hitchhiking from person to person is a public health issue. And it seems obvious, right? Condoms promote sexual health. So performers in erotic film should use condoms, not only for their protection, but to demonstrate that condoms are part of sex, even fantasy sex, right? But I read with interest an editorial by Scott Weiner who serves on the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, on why requiring adult film performers to use condoms on set is not a good thing. It doesn't lead to more condom use. Erotic films simply do their production without permits, or they move their operations to different jurisdictions. But also, the adult film industry is a leader in risk-aware sex and has a better track record than any high school or senior center. No known HIV transmission for over 10 years. But also... A focus on condoms exclusively avoids the reality that condoms are good but not perfect for stopping the spread of STIs, while PrEP and regular testing really do a very good job. Maybe porn producers are modeling more risk-aware sex than we think. How many people can you fit into a dildo? This podcast is proud to have listeners in dozens of countries, but I must speak right now to any in Newfoundland. I understand you have a small town called Dildo. It's very near a place called Spread Eagle Island, which is reportedly near Come By Chance. Now, I'm not throwing stones, 
since I live in a county that is regularly pronounced in some incorrect but highly amusing ways. And some of my own many names cause people to stop and discuss, while we in the family rarely think about it and wouldn't think of changing it. But dildo? This kind of name needs to be either fully embraced or with a sense of humor. In this case, it is a name that makes anything inanimate and longer than it is wide fair game for very distracting tomfoolery. A place name ends up on documents and marriage certificates and sports teams' names, and in the age of Google is likely to be virtually unusable as a search term for local pizza or orthodontia. I am about to save you 94 US dollars. Do not make an advanced deposit for a reservation to the Amrita restaurant in Tokyo. You can save your money on this naked restaurant because they will not seat you anyway if you are the wrong age or appearance, which is over 60, with any tattoos and upholstered in any visible body fat. If you do fail to heed my warning and go ahead and show up for your reservation, there's no refund if they turn you away at the door. It's one more week until I go to the Woodhall Sexual Freedom Summit in Virginia, August 4th. This should really be an experience for me. In my life, I have attended conferences for political action, for travel agents, for writers, for mental health, for pediatricians. I've been to conferences all over the world, but I have never been to one where the topic was sex. What does one wear? Is it a sexy environment or very clinical? Are there cliques? Is it very social or introverted? Does everyone go to the bar after sessions or do they turn in early? What kind of swag is in the goodie bag? And most important, will this old prude come out of the experience with her prude card? The show notes for this episode include links and images for everything discussed, plus links to information about the swingset.fm network and affiliated podcast that you will enjoy. A quick reminder that we need your help at the Making Love After Making War site. Go visit, spread the word, and add a contribution to the cause. You will love this project. Have orgasms, old people. You're old, but each orgasm is new and different. Go on. Have some lovely, nice orgasms this week. Hey, this is Dan Savage from the Savage Lovecast and Savage Love, and you're listening to a Swing Set podcast at Swing Set FM.